0: Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana. Man, we're in our second week of our series entitled No Regrets. And uh, it's been a good t- conversation uh, as, with a lot of you since last week's talk. And uh, a lot of you really been processing it. So I'm glad you're back today to... Dig in again if this is your first time here, you missed last week, I encourage you to go online, you can watch or listen there on our, our website or app or a podcast and uh, make sure that you're getting this whole conversation. Hey, one other thing I want to talk about though before we begin today's conversation is most of you, um, you, you know that we as a church work really, really hard to be for other people in our community and uh, we want to love our community well and in turn our hope is, is that they'll turn and they'll recognize the, our Heavenly Father and thank Him for um, his love and his care for them. In fact, most all of us, were really at our churches today because we experience somebody else being for us. I mean, you think about it, that's really why we're here. So if that's you and you want to be part of this movement and helping other people understand that God is for them, I would really encourage all of you, especially as we're going into the fall, uh, to really create a consistent plan to serve weekly, to give weekly or monthly. Um, in other words, help us with this movement of making sure, investing in that people are understanding that god is for them and we make that as easy as we can um... When in our serving side, if you have any questions about that, go to Engage or stop by the gallery on your way out. Or if you want to in, um, in, engage, invest in giving, man, um, you can do that through our app or our website. Or you can give as you exit the building today in the giving boxes. Now, you can even automate that. You hear me say this often. I mean, we automate what's important to us. So um, we as a church are absolutely committed to helping people know uh, that God is for them. That's our passion. It it's, it's c- continues to grow. And that's why... I am so excited to begin something new that is going to be for our communities next Sunday. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. But believe me, you don't want to miss next Sunday. Bring a friend or two and bring $4. Why $4? Again, I'm not going to tell you. But believe me, it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And so, you're not going to miss that. So, um, next Sunday... It's going to be good. All right. Now, grab your talk notes, and we'll dive into today's conversation. Here's what I know as we dive into today's conversation. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or whether you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you consider yourself a church person, don't consider yourself a church person, whether you say you believe in God or not, there are a few things that we have in common that all of us have in common. And one of them is that we all face temptation on a daily basis. Now, just to remind you from last week's conversation, a temptation is any situation, any circumstance, any opportunity where you are enticed to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate kind of way. In fact, as we learned last week, there are several things that are always true when it comes to temptation. And that is this, there is always more at stake than what we think. Every temptation seems like a in-the-moment kind of decision, in-the-moment kind of a reward or consequence situation, but what we tend to fail to recognize is, is whenever we face a temptation, we lose our perspective in that moment because that temptation, it always drives us emotionally and it causes us to lose perspective. And so we lose our perspective, not only about that moment, but we also lose perspective into the future and the weight of the consequences that can go with that temptation. See, we don't think about where this temptation is going to take us. We don't think about what this temptation is going to cost us. But with every decision, there is a lot more at stake than what we think. In fact, the consequences of a decision... They are never contained to that moment, right? In fact, last week, we identified at least three specific things that are at stake every time you face a temptation. The first thing we said was, your future is at stake. I mean, you've never given into a temptation that didn't cost you somewhere in the future. There are always consequences whenever you give into temptation. However, we learned last week as well, the opposite is true. There are always rewards in the future whenever you resist temptation. The second thing we said is at stake is your family. You have never made a decision that only impacted you. There's no such thing as an isolated individual decision. Even if it doesn't impact the other people directly, it changes you. So every temptation that you give into, it impacts those people around you. So your decisions always impact those that are closest to you. And then the third thing that's at stake, and that is your faith. And that's what we're really dealing with in this series. And by faith, we use the term your faith we're talking about your confidence in God your confidence in God is on the line every time you face a temptation see temptation is not just a loss of self-control it's not just a lack of self-control you, you oftentimes you think well I wouldn't have given in that temptation if I'd have just had more discipline you think your temptation is a discipline problem you know if I just had more self-control then I wouldn't have done what I did or I could stop doing what I'm doing But dealing with temptation is absolutely all about your faith or your confidence in your heavenly father to provide what you need. Because as we said last week, there's a second thing that is always true about temptation and it is this. Your ability to withstand temptation is impacted by your confidence in the person making the promise. It really does come down to how big is my God? Will he meet my needs? Will he really supply my needs? Does he really have my best interest at heart? And can God be trusted? That's what it comes down to. Now, here's what I know. Your answer to those questions, it's a really big deal. Because when you stop trusting God, eventually you stop obeying God. And after you stop obeying God, then you start saying, I don't believe in God anymore. And then after that, you stop following God. But the opposite is also true. Every temptation that you experience is an opportunity to trust in your heavenly father more. In fact, you could say it this way. Every temptation is an opportunity to trust God. Sure, you have the opportunity to rebel and to sin, but you also have the opportunity to trust and to grow in your relationship with God through every temptation that you're ever going to face. So last week, we began looking at the story of Jesus' temptation, where he chose to trust God whenever he faced temptations. In fact, Matthew tells us that before Jesus started his earthly ministry, before Jesus ever did any miracles, Before Jesus did anything, he was led by the Spirit of God into the desert where Satan came and he tempted him with three really big temptations. And we say really big temptations because the great news is every temptation that you face in your life, it's going to fall in one of these categories of the three temptations that Jesus faced. That means that we can learn a lot from how Jesus handled each one of these temptations. So the first temptation that Jesus faced was this. It was the temptation to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. We talked about that last week, how you can respond to those kind of temptations in a way that grows you closer to God, deepens your relationship with God. Now today we're going to pick back up in the story and we're look at the second temptation that Jesus faced. And I think Don't miss what I'm going to say here, because it's so important. I think this is probably a more significant issue for those who follow Jesus than what we realize. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to just really lean in to this conversation today. And here is the temptation. It is the temptation to presume on God to bless our plans. The plans that we spiritualize. The plans that we say, God led me. The plans that we say, everything... That we are doing is all because God is all in this. It's the idea that I'm going to come up with my plan, I'm going to do what I want and spiritualize what I want, and then God is going to take care of me in the process. In other words, I'm going to dream up something that I think is going to make me happy. I'm going to dream up something that I think is going to make me feel significant in my life, and then I'm going to claim a verse. I'm going to declare as a step of faith. I'm going to say a special prayer, and now God has to see me through, God has to make it work. I mean, think about this. You, you've heard people who call themselves Christians, they, they claim something, they'll, they'll be telling you something, and, and you know, you don't want to drop your jaw when they say it, but they'll tell you something that God told them to do. And at the time, it's like you're trying to keep your jaw up, you know, without going, because you're thinking, that's just stupid. God would never tell you to do that. I mean, and it is, what they're telling you, it is just stupid, but they've fallen for the temptation to presume that God has to bless our plans, the plans that they have for their own life. And we come into this self-deception or when we fall into this temptation, we fall into self-deception and we really start believing God should bless my plans. So here's how the story starts. And we're going to unpack this. As, as we go along, here it goes. Matthew chapter four, if you wanna follow along, says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And we talked about that last week. That was the big question. What are you hungry for? Because whatever your soul is hungry for, that's where you're being tempted right now. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, we talked about this temptation last week. This was the first temptation Jesus faced, and it seems so innocent. I'm like, Jesus, you're hungry. You have the power to turn these stones into bread. Just do what you need, just meet your own needs. But the issue here for Jesus wasn't actually about hunger. And it wasn't actually about whether he had the power to turn the stones into bread. The issue was, do I trust my heavenly father who has led me out into this desert? Will he now provide whatever I need? Or am I going to meet my needs in an illegitimate way? In fact, here's how Jesus responds in verse four. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, being hungry and needing food, is a legitimate need. And I don't know how God is going to provide for me, but I know this. I am counting on what God said. He said he would provide, so I will not doubt. I'm not going to lose my confidence in God just because my legitimate need is not being met the way that I thought it was going to be met, or in the time that I thought it was going to be met. And as soon as Jesus resists temptation, and you're going to find this is going to be true for you, as soon as you resist one temptation, and you have victory over that temptation, Satan introduces a second. This is his attack mode, always coming after you. In fact, Look at verse five. Here's the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Now, I have no idea how this actually happened. I mean, they may have walked through the desert all the way to the temple, or they might have been just talking visually about it. I have no idea how this happened. But Satan takes Jesus, and they have this... Conversation and they see everything that's going on down in the courtyard of the temple. They're standing at the highest point where they could look down and they see all these people offering their sacrifices. And there's a lot of people. And Satan says in the first part of verse six, these words He says, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. Literally, if you're really the Son of God, Jesus, just jump. And then Satan quotes this verse out of Psalms 91. How tricky is that, right? I mean, maybe he's thinking, okay, Jesus, you got out over on me on this last temptation because you quoted a verse. The two of us can play this game. I'm gonna quote a verse for you. And so Satan, he takes scripture Out of Psalms 91, and he takes it entirely out of context, but he tries to use it to convince Jesus to presume on God to bless his plans. And let me say something to those of you who are always going, "God told me, God told me." You got to be careful about that, because one of the things that Satan will do is use Scripture against you, and you'll take it completely out of context, and then you'll declare, "God has made a promise." It's God's word, and you'll do something really foolish. And that's what he tries to get Satan to do. In fact, here's what he quotes that we find in the last part of verse six. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I mean, Satan basically says, Jesus, you know, all these people down there, man, they, they don't really believe that you're the son of God yet. And it's going to be hard for them to really believe that you are God in human flesh. So, so you're going to have to like die and then rise again to prove that. So why would you want to do all of that? Just jump. It'll be so much easier. I mean, they'll see your superpower, and you'll be a superhero, and everybody's going to like you, you know? After all, God's promised not to let anything happen to you. You're the man, Jesus. You're part of God's redemptive plan for the whole world. Some of you are going, oh, I've heard that conversation in my head before, and I thought it was God. God. I mean, Satan's basically saying, Jesus, man, he's been planning this before time began. I mean, he's not going to let anything happen to you if you jump. I mean, if you jump, we both know that the angels, they're going to catch you. And oh, by the way, this is the big deal, Jesus. The people down below, they're going to see it. And then they're going to believe that you are the son of God and you won't even have to die on a cross. You don't have to go through all that. I mean, think about this, Jesus. You can fulfill your God-given mission and you can even become famous in doing so and you won't have to die on the cross. You can vo- avoid the sacrifice and the suffering of the path of the cross. And you know what we all know? That was a lie. Jesus could only fulfill his God-given mission through his death and his resurrection. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Because this is what I've prayed for most of you uh, this week. That when we get to this point in the talk, you would really understand this. That Satan tells us the same kind of lie all the time. Satan comes along and he tells you and he tells me, hey, you can fulfill your God-given mission without suffering and without sacrifice. There is an easier way. And Jesus never said that. God never said that. In fact, he said, you are called to suffer. He said, you are called because it is through suffering and sacrifice that we are sanctified and we become like Christ. And listen, whenever you fall for the lie that somehow we can fulfill our God-given mission without suffering and sacrifice, and somehow without suffering and sacrifice, we're going to become famous And we're going to be the change maker. We have bought into this lie because Jesus is the change maker. And what happens is, is when we start living in this lie or buying this lie, then what happens is we start living in our shadow mission. And just so you know, the thing that holds most Christians back is that they're trying to live out their God-given mission through a shadow mission. And just so you know what a shadow mission is, a shadow mission is your God-given mission that has been hijacked by your ego and your wounds. And we all have an ego and we all have wounds. In fact, if you wanna know how big your ego is, how quickly does, you, do you get, does your ego get popped? Yeah, when somebody doesn't do something you want them to do or something you don't like, how soon does it take to trigger you? See, your shadow mission is your God-given mission hijacked by your ego and your wounds. Now, the reason our shadow mission is so tempting, it is so tempting to live in your shadow mission, is because our ego and our wounds, they never want to experience suffering or sacrifice. Our ego and our wounds, they say, hey, there's got to be an easier way than the path of the cross, which always includes sacrifice and suffering. In fact, what our ego says to us is, hey, 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 hey takes us up to the high point on the temple and says, hey, look at what all you've done. You've worked so hard. You deserve significance without sacrifice and suffering. That's what our ego says. You you deserve, you deserve more without sacrifice and suffering. You know what our wounds say? Our wounds say, hey, you have suffered enough. You've sacrificed enough. You you need to find an easier path. So it's so easy to fall for the lie than it is to fulfill your God-given mission through the path of the cross. And I fear that's what so many people who call themselves Christ followers are doing in this season. Listen, when we fall for the lie of our shadow mission, then what we do is we give into the temptation to presume on God to bless our plans. I mean, the truth is, I, you, we've all been lured into this easier way and we've all fallen into this temptation. I mean, it's the person who blew their money on what they wanted and then things got tight and they said, God, it's your job to provide my needs because I mean, after all, you promised that you would supply all my needs. Now send some money. I mean, you really think God's sitting up there in heaven going, oh, wow, they found that verse in Philippians. I'm caught now. I did say I was going to have to supply all their needs. I guess I got to do that. See, that's kind of like assuming and presuming on God to bless your plans so that you can bypass any kind of suffering or any kind of sacrifice. Or it's the young lady or the young man who decides that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and date this person who doesn't follow Jesus. And then I'm going to pray, okay, God, I want you to work this out. I want to have this great marriage. I want this man or this woman to come to faith. God, change them. Really? I mean, do you think God owes it to you to fix your spouse's problems, the same problems that they had before you married them? Or it's a student who doesn't study and and then they walk into the class and it's time for a test and then they go, God, help me to pass this test. Like, really? You promised if we lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives to all liberally and I needed to be very liberal right now. I mean, it's a couple who's never generous, but then they expect God to be generous for them so that they can bypass suffering and sacrifice when times get hard for them. I mean, it's a single adult who's like sleeping around with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and then they decide, okay, we're just going to live together. And then they start praying, oh God, we think we're pregnant. Don't let us be pregnant. I can't get pregnant. I mean, you think God's like really responsible for your birth control? I don't even know what verse you're going to claim on that one, but. <laughs> or, or it's the person who neglects their health. They never exercise. They, they, never, they eat whatever they want, and then they beg God to heal them whenever they have health problems. God, you should help. And they ask everybody in church to pray for them, and they're still over there eating Twinkies and everything else. It's like, really? Or, or it's the person This is the one that I run into the most. It's the person who doesn't do the hard work of growing in their character and in their faith and developing their skills and their ability as a leader. And then they jump into this career that's way bigger than them and they expect God to make it work. Here's the crazy thing. I'm not picking on anybody because we all have done this, haven't we? My shadow mission is bigger, better, faster. And I always know when I'm trying to do bigger, better, faster, I have fallen into my shadow mission. And if you can't identify your shadow mission, you're probably living in it. If if I walked up to you or having lunch with you and said, hey, what's your shadow mission? If you can't tell me your shadow mission, you are probably living in it. So I'm not picking on anybody because this one has been the greatest struggle of my life, conquering this temptation. Here's what happens. When we start living in our shadow mission and then God doesn't bail us out, And we have to go through the path of suffering and sacrifice because that is God's process of sanctification in all of our lives. I mean, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. How do you think we're going to learn obedience? We are called, the apostle Peter says, we are called to suffer and to sacrifice. That is part of our calling as Christ followers. Well, whenever God allows us to go through that path of suffering and sacrifice, you know what we do? We get mad at God. Like, God, I had a verse. How could you let this happen? God, I claim Jeremiah 29, 11 on this one. He goes, yeah, 70 years from now, you'll get the blessing because that's when the nation of Israel got it. I had a promise. God, I can't believe. I can't believe. I can't believe you didn't come through. <laughs> Listen, folks. Whenever we give into our shadow mission and, and we fall for this temptation, we, we get angry at God. And, and not only do we get angry at God, one of the other ways you know you're living in shadow mission is that not only we get angry at God, we get angry at anybody else that we feel is blocking us from the easiest way to get our way. Don't miss what I just said. We not only get angry at God, but we get angry at anybody that we think is blocking us from the easiest way to get our way. And I just wanna say, when you're living in your shadow mission as a Christ follower, most of the things that you call trauma in your life from other individuals is not trauma. It is you kicking against the pricks as the apostle Paul learned when he tried to rebel against God. It is you going against God and God saying, I'm putting some barriers in your life because I need to fine tune you. I need to shape your character. But this is the temptation that Satan threw at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, there's an easier plan to bypass. I mean, that suffering and sacrifice. And oh, by the way, I mean, God's gonna take care of you. I mean, there's a verse where God said, I mean, after all, <laughs> Man, Jesus, you shouldn't have to sacrifice. You really shouldn't. You're the Son of God. But when Jesus hears this, what does he do? He did the same thing he did with the first temptation. I want you to notice, he reaches back into Jewish history and then he quotes from Moses again. Look at this in verse seven. Jesus answered him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's like Satan, I see where you're going. You're not concerned about what's best for me. I mean, you're just trying to destroy my future. You're just trying to destroy the future of others. I mean, you're you're trying to destroy my faith by getting me to test God. But I'm not going to try to manipulate God to get him to do what I want him to do. I'm here to follow God's plan, even if it involves sacrifice and suffering to serve him, because it does. Now, here's what I know. Many of us, we are falling for this temptation. We're probably not even aware of it. But I'm telling you, wherever you are doing your own thing, in that area of your life where you're living out your thing instead of obeying God, but you've justified it because you've got a verse or you've got a promise and you're expecting God to bail you out of the consequences. Listen, wherever you do that, you are presuming on God to bless your plans. And you know what Jesus says? He said very clearly. A sin. Don't put the Lord to the test. Because we're putting God to the test through our arrogance and our selfishness and our pride. And in doing so, we try to fulfill our God-given mission through our shadow mission because we want to avoid suffering and we want to avoid sacrifice. Can I tell you what I've noticed over the years about how Satan uses this temptation? to cause people to disconnect from God, to be disappointed in God or give up on God. You might want to write this down. The people most disappointed with God are the ones who've never fully surrendered to him because they're living in their shadow mission. They may be very religious, They they may even see, and a lot of times they do, they see themselves as the most spiritually mature person in the room. I mean, they believe in God, they show up in church every Sunday, they read their Bible and they pray, but they do it all because it's their way of trying to manipulate God to get what they want, not to cooperate with him on the path of the cross. I mean, they say they follow Jesus, but then they do everything they can to avoid sacrifice and suffering. They, they do everything they can to avoid self-denial at all costs. That's why they presume and assume that God is just there to do their bidding. And then when something goes wrong, different than what they planned, when something doesn't go the way that they wanted, they're the first to get angry at God and others and say, God, how could you let that happen? I thought you loved me. I thought you were gonna take care of me. And have we all been there? So so what do you do when you face this temptation to presume on God to bless your plans and you find yourself falling into your shadow mission? Here's what you do. You cooperate with God, you don't try to manipulate him in order to bypass suffering and sacrifice. See, it's our responsibility as a follower of Jesus to do what Jesus did and say, Father, what's your plan? What's your will? What's your purpose for my life? I'm going to believe your promises, but I'm not going to presume presume on you to bless my plan. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow my God-given mission, which includes the call to suffering and sacrifice. And I'm just telling you, if some of you would just get that, it would entirely change the nature of your relationship with God. But not just your relationship with God, it would change the nature of your relationship with others because you would stop blaming God and you would stop blaming everyone else when things don't go the way that you want them to go. Instead, what would happen is you would embrace the reality that the path of denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus, it includes sacrifice and suffering. Both are tools that God uses to transform us from self-centered to selfless. So how do you know if you fall into this trap, this temptation of your shadow mission? How do you know when you're trying to manipulate God and bypass suffering and sacrifice rather than cooperate with him? I'm telling you, it's pretty easy to tell. All you have to do is listen to three things. All you have to do is listen to your prayers, All you have to do is look at your reactions to negative circumstances and all you have to do is pay attention to your personal attitude toward your sin. Not the sins of others, but your sin. So first of all, you listen to your prayers. Like what are you praying and asking God about when you talk to him? Are you listening to what he says or are you just giving him your to-do list for the day? See, people who try to manipulate God, they never hear his voice because they're always praying, my will be done, instead of sitting in silence before God and saying, God, thy will be done. And I just wanna go tell you, if you haven't sensed God directing your life in a while, it's most likely because you're not interested in what he's doing and what he's saying. You're most interested in my will be done. God speaks the loudest to the soul that is surrendered fully to him. See, when you and I pray, it should be, God, you don't need to do anything on my behalf. I'm here to live on your behalf. Because you got my best interest in mind. I'm trusting you. So you don't need to do anything on my behalf. I'm here to live on your behalf. So if your prayers are all self-centered, you're probably guilty of presuming and assuming on God to bless your plans. Second, Look at your reactions to negative circumstances. Do you blame God and do you blame others? Do you question God? Do you question others? Do you try to force God or do you try to force other people to see your way, do your way, get what what you want? Listen, our reactions when things don't go our way reveal our confidence in God more than anything else. Love the way that Andy Stanley said that. So here's the question. How do you act whenever someone doesn't do what you want them to do? Do you act like God and other people owe you? Do you get angry with God and other people when things don't go your way, you don't get your way? See, when you're living in your shadow mission, you think and act like you're in control of everything and that you deserve to be heard. Therefore, God and others should do whatever you want them to do. And here's the thing. Negative reactions to negative circumstances are a sign that you are living in your shadow mission. And third thing you need to do is you need to pay attention to your attitude toward your sin. See, we, we get real judgmental about other, other people's sins, but what about your sin? Is your attitude about your sin, well, everybody makes mistakes and this wasn't that bad, or I didn't really mean for that to happen, so it's not as bad as everybody else's sin. Listen, your sin is as bad as everybody else's sin. If you start minimizing your sin and maximizing everybody else's sin, you have fallen for this temptation. Because I'm telling you that little sin that you just committed, it cost Jesus his life. And it will cost you your future, your family and your faith if you deal with it flippantly or minimize it. That's the difference between those who cooperate with God and those who try to manipulate him to bypass suffering and sacrifice. So here's my question this morning. Will you pause and will you evaluate how you're living for your own sake? Would you listen to your prayers? Would you look at your reactions when you ever experience a negative thing or whenever and everything happens? Would you pay attention to your attitude when you sin? Because I'm telling you, presuming on God to bless your plans, it is a dangerous temptation to fall into. It's going to cause you to lose sight of who God really is. It's going to cause you to lose your ability to sense God's presence and to follow his guidance because you're gonna be so wound up in who you are and what you want. So figure out where you're tempted to bypass suffering and sacrifice. Start following your heavenly father and just keep on saying, as we said last week, Satan, you will not destroy my future, my family, or my faith, because there's far more at stake than we realize. See, whenever you try to avoid suffering and sacrifice and you exchange your God-given mission for your shadow mission, I'm telling you, you are setting yourself up to destroy your future, your faith, and your family, and what will happen is you'll be angry at God and everybody else and blame them instead of looking in the mirror and going, No, I was presuming on God to bless my plans. And so I tried to fulfill God's mission for my life through a shadow mission. Man, we don't want that for any of you. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. This has been one of those talks that's been hard to say because it is so hard for us to all face this, but it's one we all deal with. God, you know how many times I have been on my face before you asking for forgiveness, for trying to fulfill a God-given mission that you gave me through a shadow mission. Uh, I just help us all, pray that you'll help us all today just to be real with ourselves, to understand that most of the conflict, most of the problems that we have in life, they're really not the other person. It's that we have fallen into the lie that somehow we can fulfill our God-given mission through our shadow mission that we can fulfill our God-given mission by bypassing suffering and sacrifice. And so therefore we're presuming on you, God, to bless our plans. Forgive us, we pray. And may this be a week when we just come before you and say, God, we wanna hear you again. We wanna respond in any situation that we experience this week, as though we trust in you 100% to be in control. And we wanna learn to repent of our sins again, instead of demanding everyone repent of their sins. And God, through that process, I pray that you help us to find the victory that we all desperately long for, and you so willingly want to give. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Everyone, don't forget, uh, you can sign up for small groups. It's a great tool to help you um, deal with temptation in your life, to have people in your life that will help you with that. We'll see you next week as we finish up this series. Have a great week.